This is episode 185 of G.I. Joburg. Instead of one DJ and three MCs, we got one Pogo and three Triple T's. Boom! I'm Steve. And I'm Paul. <laughs> the and deadliest is... pencils. And this is G.I. Joburg's tribute to... The Pogo and the Triple T. Random, I know. There'll be reasons, perhaps later. But uh, if you could leave a like on this video, if you're watching on YouTube, that would help us more than you know. It would help us more than I know. Because I don't really understand algorithms. All I know is that it's a thing to do. So click, click, click. And hey, if you listen to this on a podcatcher, why not leave us a review? That helps too. Uh, and moving on from the sales plug, Paul, how you doing, my brother? It's been a week. We're doing this now, I think. Yes. We're going we're gonna to try the weekly thing, see how hmm. it works. I know I enjoy a weekly podcast, uh, the ones that I listen to. So maybe, maybe we'll just be that persistent voice in your head, guys. Every week you'll have these two idiots talking about plastic crap. Yeah, that'll be us. No, man. Um... <laughs> I mean, you know, not to put a spotlight on it or anything. Uh, yeah, I think the weekly thing is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Um, I also, I think with our next one of 186, I'd like to see if we can get a live studio audience. <laughs> well, hey, get excited, everybody. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so that'll be, you know, now that we have a plan for how we're going to do this, a plan, <laughs> he says, inverted commas, uh, Paul did bunny ears. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm good, man. Paul, this is uh, radio, not video. <laughs> yeah. The debate, the debate rages as to whether or not this should be uh, with faces. But I think there's no ways I want to turn my back on the podcast crowd. This yeah. is an audio medium first, so we're going to refrain from doing too many bells and whistles on the YouTube version. Though I am thrilled that the YouTube version has the kind of reach that it does. Of course it does. YouTube, it's us. We broadcast. It's our own TV channel. And it's a big one. Anyways. <laughs> Joe Berg. Joe Berg. Totally. Excellent. <laughs> Extreme close-up. Oh, wait. <laughs> would Wayne's World have much relevance today? I mean, I they would so. be influencers. But, like, would yeah. their channel have gotten off the ground in the highly competitive market of YouTube? Dude, They'd have to I, do I would, all the kind of clickbait stuff. They couldn't be niche rockers. I think, I think, uh, and I, I might be stepping on a landmine here, but I think Wayne's World was the prototype for YouTube. Like the, the movie and the characters uh, that Mike Myers created, um, you know, Garth and Wayne, or Wayne and Garth, uh, that whole thing, I think that was the prototype for what YouTube was going to be. I don't think that they intentionally thought it of like that. It's just because I'm sure there were a lot of guys that were doing like public, you know, broadcast TV stuff in the end of the day. Mm, pirate um, channels. Pirate channels. But here's the thing, like if you've watched Wayne's World, if you watch the Wayne's World shorts on SNL, and, and I have, <laughs> they are very much like YouTube videos. They actually work very well as YouTube videos because they do their like summation of the Oscars and um, they do like skits and they do all kinds of, uh, all kinds of stupid stuff that, you know, YouTube and famous YouTubers are doing today. So it's very interesting. They even react, they even do reaction videos like, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Wayne and Garth, you guys better sue YouTube for infringing on your original IP. Damn, 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 damn. damn. Anyways, moving the agenda on to GI Joe. Sorry. Paul, 
I yes. have become a sad victim of the same fate that befell you and your low light backpack. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> I purchased a backpack that on eBay was called and listed as low light 1986 original accessory. It was not. It was the call. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then it prompted me to have a search on eBay to see how many similar listings actually had the original accessory and how many had the core substitute. And they're very close, as you mm. know. But whereas the Lowlight original accessory has two molded magazines, uh, they're like pistol magazines, they're straight box clips um, molded on the, if you're facing the, the back of the backpack, uh, they're on the left in a pouch. Mm -hmm. The the core knockoff, I'm going to call it a knockoff because it's so close to the original. Uh, it might as well be a knockoff and not its own thing. The core just has a single pouch. And I was yeah. not only taken in with low lights, but Mercer as well. As I got. Whoa. Yeah, I got slipped a core backpack instead of Mercer's. The differences are quite marked, but they only stand up if you're looking at the actual accessory. Photography, it's difficult to see because obviously this is a black accessory and the contrast is normally a little bit too high to see where the water bottle is, where the grenade is. The fact that on the core accessory, they look like two cylinders on the, the top of the, um, the satchel flap. So on the top of the backpack, you've got these two cylinders, which might be, I don't know, sticks of explosive or flares. Uh, on the actual accessory, the Mercer 1987 backpack, those are absent. Anyway, it's okay. <laughs> uh, the thing about the core backpacks is they have a slightly different fit. So you'll find, at least with my version, it won't, the low light backpack or the low light, air quotes, the incorrect quotes. low light backpack. <laughs> that will not fit 1986 low lights, but is a very nice fit on the Renegades, for instance. Taurus will wear that backpack very deeply. <laughs> you know, it, it'll be a nice fit on his back, which is great because, you know, I'm going down the rabbit hole here, but forgive me, this is a G.I. Joe specific podcast. You guys can follow me, right? Um, the Renegades backpacks have a very poor fit because they're all reused backpacks from an earlier era and yeah. now going into the backs of later 80s figures, they all stand too far away from the backs of the figures. So the core backpacks, ironically, work better. Take it or leave it. You're either a purist or you like the way they fit or neither. You know, Maybe you be believe the renegades belong at the bottom of the pile and never see light of day. But if you're a fan like me and Paul, these are good substitute backpacks. Speaking of, uh, just quickly, does the is the Mercer one also quite matted? Because I know with my low light backpack, uh, well, low light air quotes, uh, core low light backpack, uh, mine's got like a matte finish. It hasn't got a shiny finish. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. true. But but here's the other caveat: a lot of the 1986 low light backpacks do have that more gummy plastic finish. Mm. I know I know. my original certainly does. It's like the same plastic as the guns. It's not the hard plastic that you typically get the backpacks in. 
Yeah. So there are layers of confusion to this confusion, but I'd say the best tell, particularly for the low light accessory, is the two magazines. Oh, and there are a lot of them on eBay. It wasn't just the seller. I went through it and about a third of the listings were all the core backpacks being passed off as low lights, original accessories. And I don't think it's being done deliberately or, or to deceive. I think it's just ignorance. It's such yes. a fine distinction that people are sellers are, are uh, oblivious to it. And also, like, also, doesn't the original low light backpack also have that uh, cool kind of? I want to say cross hashing, but it's not really cross hashing, but um, that like diamondy pattern. And you're right; the core accessory does not have that kind of cross hatching. Wow! On the body of the bag. Hmm. Hectic. Okay. Well, that's one for me. <laughs> I like. I'm well, really you've got a variation there as well. No, no, no. I'm just saying, no, no, no. That's one point for me for actually like knowing that. <laughs> Usually oh, I don't well know. Done, <laughs> <laughs> well done. But uh, yeah, good luck trying to see that kind of detail in photography on eBay, which you know yeah. has varying degrees of quality. That, that's why, um, and I refer to the old, uh, to that old episode when I got this uh, shockwave, oh, not shockwave, when I got the low light backpack from Mr. Creech. That is why um, I, I totally see it as like, it's, it's an honest mistake. It's an easy mistake to make. I mean, even I thought it was uh, Lowlight's actual backpack. Um, and yeah, and it was when I, when I told him, he was, he was also like, wow, he didn't know. And, it, you know, so yeah, but also once again, and, and I'm not saying this to, to be weird or anything, there are certain qualities about that. And you did mention earlier, um, now when you're talking about how it fits the, the Renegades really well, I kind of like the fit for this backpack on my low lights as well. I don't know, something about it just seems safer. You know, also having seen Ben break his um, backpack the other day on that uh, video that we shot. Oh, I, yes. yes. Referencing the Talking Joe G.I. Joe collaboration to chat about the 1990 Benelux catalog. Check the channel for details. But yeah, like I saw that and I was like, <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyway, so now that we've just driven up the price of the low light backpack, uh, what else is happening on your side, Steve? Ah, more misfortunes, pal. I have oh. entered into the quagmire or the competitive dog eat dog world of Australian GI Joe Facebook buy sell trade groups. Uh oh. And they are busy, man. It's great because it's it's got frequent listings and a lot of stuff trading hands, but it's a less competitive market than the United States. Yeah. So sometimes you'll see a claim auction at, with good toys not being claimed. Like normally with claim auctions, you snooze, you lose. Literally like yeah. two minutes after the, the, the picture goes up, someone says claim, yes, PM sent. Black, yeah, there you go. I bought from Black Major. I know the feel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it's 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 very quick in the the bigger GI Joe groups that perhaps have their base of operations in the United States. But here in Oz, things can often sit for hours, even days, not being claimed. I wow. saw a Storm Shadow version two, without his sword or his bow, but with the Tekakagi, um, the claws and the mm. backpack. Uh, going for just twenty dollars, which is two hundred rand, which I think for a good condition stormy oh, oh, is great. Yeah. 
Yeah, my, my, my current Storm Shadow, well, I say current, it's back in South Africa. My Storm Shadow has a slightly yellowed leg. Obviously a child, well, if you, if you believe Michael French's theory that like the acid in our fingers uh, interacts <laughs> with the white of, of these white toys, geez, it's going to make us so, so very neurotic about it, touching our, our Storm Shadows in future. But anyways, he believes that, you know, there's a transfer of this acid and it does create the yellowing. So obviously the child who owned this would always manipulate Storm Shadow from his right leg anyway. I'm not adding credence to that necessarily, but it would be nice to be able to have a, a white, white, white Storm Shadow to no, stay in the draw and never see light of day. <laughs> no, I got to say, I do support uh, that theory. Um, it's actually so funny that you brought that up, uh, yellowing of figures and stuff. Uh, because I've been looking at a lot of tutorials uh, on the internet for firstly how to remove or fix yellowing um, and also how to fix and remove stickiness. Now, thankfully, I don't have any stickiness on my GI Joes, but I do have some stickiness on some of the modern era GI Joes that I detected the other day because I was just sort of reorganizing my shelves. And I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I do not like like there are certain Joes that I just display um, because they're cool, but it's not necessarily the version of Snake Eyes I like to play around with. So, you know, I moved that the other day and I was like, oh, wow. Uh, and it was the Resolute Snake Eyes that had like a little bit of stickiness on his web gear and whatever. And I thought that was a bit strange. And so I'm not saying it's just from us handling the toys that it does that, but I can believe it because uh, games controllers, uh, like especially with the PlayStation, with my experience on the PlayStation, the analog sticks, you know, they have those like little rubber um, tops. Oh, yeah. And those tend to actually get sticky after a while if you neglect them. If you keep them, you know, like with my PS3, because I haven't played my PS3 in a long time and haven't needed to touch the controllers. If When I grabbed my controller the other day, they were a little bit tacky. And, and I think it's because of that, you know, there's oils and things on your fingers that get absorbed into the plastic and they have reactions with the chemicals. And then oh, once they, you know, like, yeah this is tragic okay I guys know. have a have a toy collection but never handle them ever again we're but drifting pretty far from the original topic and i will just say this much about um the, the subject of uh rubber and plastic and oil degradation um snowcat ron friend of the show uh alerted to me to the fact that rubber tires you should be wary of because in certain climates or certain conditions, they will degrade and leave. They will sort of stick to things. So if yep. you've got a Sky Striker parked on your flag deck, yep. maybe just put a little bit of a stopper or buffer between those tires and the deck. Otherwise, you might lift your Sky Striker one day and have a little... Yeah, and it'll have left, behind, left mm. behind a residue. I haven't had that experience yet. Uh Maybe Cape Town's got a, a magical climate, but I doubt Cape Town's climate is too different from the Netherlands. I don't know. Who knows? But getting back to Storm Shadow, Paul. <laughs> yes, sorry, man. Sorry. Claimed it. Claimed it. The guy sent me a private message, said, it's yours, mate. Uh, is there anything else you'd like? I've got stuff for sale next week as well. Oh, uh, we can, I can just ha hang on to this and... Uh, which add to your pile. I sent him my parts list and he said he could help me out with a number of those things. Week later, he shoots me back the, the parts. Yeah, I can help you with a couple of those things. Yeah. I was quite excited about getting another Tekakagi because... Two claws, better than one claw. <laughs> is it just me or is that how it should be wielded? It's weird to have one claw and a sword. 
you want to have mm. a claw in both both hands because it is a climbing implement. So you yeah. wouldn't just climb with your one hand. And as a weapon, it would be awkward to wield one claw and one sword. Like it's difficult to marry your your right and left hands movements that way. Whereas if yeah. they're both claws, the slashing action can be kind of doubled up or, you know, one claw, one claw. Anyways, I'm overthinking this, but I just think it would be nice to have Storm Shadow version 2 with a claw in each hand. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the Wolverine potentials, obviously. Mm. So he shoots me back a list of parts that he's found on my parts list. um, And I say, great, thank you. Um, Just shoot me a a shipping quote for that and the Storm Shadow and and, uh, I'll, I'll pay you ASAP. And he's like, oh, oh, the Storm Shadow, that was meant to go to you, right. Sorry, mate, I sold that on. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, oh, fudge. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, oh, honest boy. mistake. Like, this is, this, is, this is the curse of our age. It's, it's a blessing and a curse that there are informal trades happening all the time. So much availability, so much wealth of stuff changing hands. But of course, we're not a business. We don't keep books. We don't have a system. We get shot private messages and they get buried under hundreds of other private messages. So the guy has my sympathy. I just was a bit, a bit bummed out. He could sense that. And so he gave me a free Zorana. Hey. Hey. Yeah. When (laughs) I don't have a Zorana here and my Zorana back home, ironically, um, it was a a Christmas gift from good old Robbo once upon a time. Um, It's in played with condition. (laughs) <laughs> Whereas this one is looking pretty spiff. And it looked at condition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't touch, don't touch. Oils. It's gonna mess Oils. with the it's gonna mess with the color changing feature. No, uh, I think I think the thing to take away from the oil discussion is that you know what, maybe you should just play with your toys now while you can. And the thing to take <laughs> away from your discussion is yeah, unfortunately shit happens. Sorry, man. That is when a, they close me up in my casket, I want nothing but plastic shards to remain of my collection. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the final bit of news, uh, my new buddy who resides in the very same armpit of Australia that I happen to live in, uh, he gifted me a pack of silver and gold Sharpies. Now, I have resisted these things for a long time, preferring to rather apply paints old school style with brush mm. and wa- watering them down sufficiently to get a nice clean uh, yeah. application. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Buddy, the silver and gold Sharpies have that beat. They go really? on effectively. They add vibrant, vibrant metallic color and they are smooth. Wow. I have failed oh. to get any kind of glop from a felt tip sharpie silver or gold oh cool it's so they're that's awesome well that's it's re- <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing um i am converted and i'm preaching to to anyone who might hear this that if you have minor accents that you'd like to 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 add or change or improve upon that is the way to go i don't know i might be stepping into very contentious ground about making touch-ups to action figures but this is pretty seamless, bro. And how do you clean it up if you make a mistake? Oh, then you're fucked. Buy a new figure. Oh. 
um, yeah, yeah. Ba basically, you, you need to do it very carefully. Um, okay. I mean, for instance, I, I did a little customization even um, okay. because I have a, a Sarge version 2, Sarge and Slaughter version 2, um, mm. and the whistle is always going to be a point of paint rub. So it was a very much a flesh-colored whistle instead of its usual olive. Mm. But I decided to brass it up. I decided to add the gold accent to his whistle, and I'm glad I did not add it to his peck because he is, of course, Sergeant Slaughter and not Gold Dust. Not Gold Dust. Although, okay, well, if you must, uh, if you want to know, for Sharpie markers on plastic, you can use a little bit of rubbing alcohol, um, and that should remove it. So, <laughs> and eventually the plastic too, right? No, no, isopropyl is quite safe to the on the plastic. Yeah. Ah, good to know. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go, ladies and gentlemen. Now you know. <laughs> and, and everyone yeah. went there in their minds, so we don't have to say it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> cool. Oh, I've hogged the mic. Do you have any new shit you want to talk about? Oh, happy Valentine's Day. Ooh. May suit Valentine. Like Valentine's Dag, Liffy. Thank you, Liffy. Swinkies. Yeah, Swinkies for you. Did you ever sing that song? I have never sung that song before, but I'm going to surprise and freak out Celia with it now. So I do know it. I do know it. So you have brought it back up from the deepest, darkest recesses of my memory. So nice, Brew. Nice. Yeah. Courtesy of a pseudo old South African education. Right? Oh, I mean, what is, is that, a nursery school thing? Anyway, um, yeah, like nothing new, uh, really, uh, which is actually not a bad thing because <laughs> I have uh, been a little bit indulgent with getting the Ninja Turtles and all that kind of stuff. Uh, although I did get, um, you know, Stephen's talking about Sharpie markers, and I did pick up a, a new product called uh, Armored Komodo Pigments, and they produce a, a really, really good-looking chrome effect. Um, and they are very easy to use, yeah. And I picked them up um, mostly for model kit building, but I did pick up a, a nice chrome to maybe just experiment with uh, one of the modern era Cobra Commander heads to see if I could take that uh, silver faceplate and turn it into a chrome faceplate. And I'm going to save that one for some assembly required. But yeah, it's a pretty good product. I believe in the, in the States they go for about between 8 and $13 dollars. Um, they are super, super cool. And like I said, super easy to use. However, there is one little catch. Uh, with my current experimentation, you do need to use an airbrush to lay out a base coat on whatever you want to chrome. You don't have to uh, use paint. Um, well, no, that's not true. You do have to use paint. So uh, you would have to, for some of them, you have to use a black base coat or a white base coat. Um, so you would have to like airbrush that on. Um, and or if you can get an acrylic spray paint you might have to use an acrylic spray paint and then uh try and then within five minutes of your paint application while the paint is still somewhat tacky that's when you have to apply the pigment but once you've once you got that done because that's the most difficult stage is just the applying of your paint and the working out the tacky phase um yeah you just uh apply it it's really good so far uh, on my tests it's been really tough it's been uh, very wear resistant um, and I think a clear uh, a clear coat over that would make it even more wear resistant. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, check it out. Um, there are a few YouTube videos on it already. 
and I will be talking about it in depth on some assembly required. I'm just doing my own experimentation research. So that's kind of like the only like new thing I got, and it does have a little bit of a Joe thing. Um, I am looking at some GI Joes. In fact, just before we started recording this podcast, I was looking at some stuff on the internet, like Night Creeper Leader, which has crept into my heart. Good I really feel like I really dig the design on that toy. I think he's such a cool figure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it started off with me looking for a dress blues gung-ho, of which I have found. I found a few. And I've also found a few Steel Brigade guys, although I don't know if I'm quite ready to part with that money for a Steel Brigade yet, but it feels like I might have to if I want a Steel Brigade. So, yeah, so I'm uh, kind of... Such a mediocre figure. In fact, it's 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 on the <laughs> bottom end of mediocre. It's literally just the prestige item of having yourself in the team. Yeah. But he does not fit with anything, really. I'm like, I'm putting him in vehicles. Uh, that, that just hides the figure. I'm putting him in the lineup with, like, the 1985, 1986 crowd. He just looks out. I don't know what to do with him. I wish I had a shark here, because I would just put him in a shark and forget about him. Because I did make Talon a Navy pilot. Anyway, right, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I so... But uh, I know that the seller of this particular Steel Brigade uh, does listen to the show, and he's got a D and an E type. So I'm just sort of, hmm, mm, yeah. So right. I don't want to advertise them because I don't want people to know that he's got them before and, and then buy them all before I've had a chance. Because he's I know got the he's got the recoil gun, right? In gray. I, I th oh, yes. that's so cool. That is such a good gun in any mm -hmm. other color but powder blue. <laughs> 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 so a chance to get that in a gray is oof, oof. it's a thing although yeah. uh, even though the e is meant to have that it seems like he hasn't got it with that it seems like he still has um oh wait no yeah he's got that with he's got it seems to have that gun with the d dude so mm, maybe mm. it does belong to the d <laughs> uh, why do uh, I even go there okay we're moving out of Paul's custom corner and into Steve asks and Paul answers hey buddy yeah. <laughs> um, the 1988 vehicle action packs are mm. five wind up and go vehicles courtesy of Takaratomi <laughs> uh, but but uh, marketed as GI Joe uh, accessory packs. Yeah. If you were to rate or uh, rank, I should say, those five in your favor, how would they stack up? Okay. Well, let's do the listeners a favor here quickly, just in case they can't recall them. There's the a little tank car. Yep. Which is yeah. a four wheeler green thing with a gun sticking out that uh, a guy sits on top and rides like a kitty cart. The ATV, which is a tricycle. This is an era before quad biking, I guess, was uh, en vogue. And you had that tricycle death trap uh, with a little <laughs> laser cannon sticking out of the front. You had the scuba pack, which is a big ass silver motorized propeller driven um, and featured a rudder lovely and some removable fins and uh, yeah. and, and uh, uh, you know a, a rebreather yes i was gonna say what is it um a regulator yeah regulator, so. yeah the, the hose uh, the, the regulator which goes into the figure's mouth which you cringe every time you try and slip that over a figure because it's gonna add stress to the backpack 
um, peg and also stress to the hose itself and potentially rub the face of your figure. So all Come around, uh, <laughs> yeah, all around, I think I know which one's going to be on the bottom of the pile. And then on the Cobra side of the fence, you've got the rocket sled and the gyrocopter. Yes. So, Paulie, who do you love? Who do you love? Hubba, 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 hubba. Who um, do you love? Hey, Jack, uh, the Joker. Um, yes, but... we all love the Joker. Yes. Joker loves you too. So I'm just thinking, okay, so I've got to put them in order of the best ones. Okay, cool. So uh, easily, the first one is the gyrocopter, the Cobra gyrocopter. From you. Ah, top of the pile. Okay. Yeah, I love that thing, dude. Do you uh, believe that those two sort of prongs on the wings are weapons? Uh, I always imagine they were like little machine guns. Although I don't know how you shot with them without blowing your legs off. But <laughs> it, It's perfect level to like kneecap your action figure. Yeah. yeah exactly like okay he, he he's coming in for the kill how do you know his knees are on his chest <laughs> his legs have just fallen off <laughs> yeah. yeah and then you see some still brigade guy get taken out by like a, a number seven boot <laughs> bombs away um so yeah the gyrocopter um i love i actually love the scuba pack oh uh, yeah Jeez. i, I yeah, I actually, and I mean, these are two I had as well, which is mm. cool. Um, Did you play the scuba pack as is, or was it like a jetpack? No, I played it as is. I really loved the the fact that you could put that in water and it could do its thing. I, I thought that was so, so cool. So much water in Johannesburg. <laughs> Where'd you play with it? In a pool or a the stagnant bath. pond? Like a sewerage farm, maybe? No, man, the pool and, uh, well, friends' pool <laughs> and the bath, man. That thing was great in the bath. I mean, that's I was like the perfect age to play with that toy in the bath. Nice. Um, and, uh, okay. So then third, ooh, uh, I haven't had experience with the little tank car, mm -hmm. but it, it's, it, yeah, I, I'm going to say the little bike, the little tri uh, tricycle. I also believe I had that. I, I, okay. I, I keep thinking I have memories of that. And then the hover sled and then the tank car. Hmm. Being a fan of the G.I. Joe video game, I would have expected the rocket sled to rank higher, to be honest. It, it, let's put it this way. It totally does. I, I mean, not that it totally does. It's just that it, I think it's cool. The video game definitely made it cooler. I also had that as a kid. Um, I didn't quite understand it too much when I was a kid uh, until I saw it in the game. And then when I saw it in the game, it was too late because I'd already lost it or it stole, got stolen or it got broken or whatever. Uh, by that point so i did kind of put it on a higher uh pedestal and uh but then you know they did that cobra commander that came with that cool backpack the modern era one and then that backpack uh that helicopter backpack just brought back all the memories of that battle pack um gyrocopter and that's just really shot that way up there and i think it was the most popular to be honest i seem to yeah, recall the rocket sled being a very slow seller yeah i mean look if you were unwrapping your Christmas presents, expecting this carded thing to be an action figure, and you got a vehicle action pack, motorot, like it was kind of disappointing. Because without an action figure, you can't really make sense of this damn thing. It's not a toy in and of itself; mm. it's an accessory. And they, I think, they only were worth half the flag point. Yeah, that was kind of weird. As it should be. Yeah, but like also like, I mean that that stuff didn't matter to me clearly. But no, um, didn't matter anyways. We didn't. Uh, we couldn't. We couldn't exchange flag points for GI Joe premiums. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But what was cool about those battle packs is they did get me like curious about characters like Voltor and stuff. I mean, I think Voltor on the on the packaging of the hover, uh, he's on the hover sled on the packaging. Rocket sled. It's a rocket sled. Rocket sled. I keep thinking of it as a hover sled because of the video game. Sorry. True. Sled. True. It's but. it's interesting to to try and ponder what the functions of these things are, particularly the rocket sled. Mm. I mean, it. It should be able to be worn like a backpack and be a jetpack, essentially. But mm. you know, it's 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 designed for a guy to kind of lie belly down on it, which is also, suicide. I mean, if you were also, scoot, scooting along the ground, yeah, with a rocket underneath you, like you do not want to be on anything other than like glass, flat. like yeah. the flattest surface <laughs> ever. <laughs> I mean, that thing uh, can't have any uh, suspension. You're no. going to feel every little bump on the road. Like gravel would be a <laughs> the worst experience ever. Not to mention anything slightly marginally off-road. Like even a cricket pitch would be like... <laughs> I'm just thinking like the most effective use of that thing in combat is to like strap a dude with bombs and let him rock on one of those. <laughs> It's like it's like a smart bomb. <laughs> My claim to fame, hey, hey, uh, just a little bit of shameless um, self-promotion. Form BX257 reviewed all five of them in one video, and he credited G.I. Joburg with uh, alerting him to the fact that if you pull back the rocket sled, uh, the not only does it go forward, but there's a mechanism that spins the little turbine in the back, Love that. And it's linked. Yeah. yeah, so that'll move. Which actually makes no sense if you think about it. Like the way a rocket engine or okay, the way a rocket engine works doesn't use a turbine at all. Um, it's literally just burning hot jet fuel pumped uh into a chamber and then exhausted out the back. But uh if you think of a jet engine that requires an air intake in the front, that's the end that has the you know, the turbine blades. Not the back. The back is yeah. just an exhaust exhaust pipe. But you have to. I mean, let's not like stray away too far from the fact that pretty much all of these backpacks, with the exception of the scuba one, are all pretty absurd. Really, <laughs> I mean, Look, there are no, no. Come on, Paul. There are midget bikes well documented in conflict. Like oh, no, the ability not... to, like, if you're a messenger or a scout, to have a backpack that folds out into a usable vehicle, and hey. Look, in as early as nineteen eighty four, the whale had one. Yeah, and that's a real bike, uh, mm -hmm. which is crazy. But like, no, but but that's kind of you kind of touched on what I'm getting at there. It's not so much the size of the bike or the size of the the car or whatever. It's the fact that you're carrying it on your back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, the tank car, particularly. I mean, not like that thing's necessarily like too light, armored. But, yeah, yeah, but I mean, so. for its namesake, it's got to be pretty heavy i guess yeah i mean it's just I, I get the scuba thing that just makes a lot of sense because you know with that you can move through water faster and all those good things but and you're effectively you know, weightless so it being on your back doesn't incur any kind of real penalty right i mean <laughs> you know hey you know uh repeater why have you got that you know tricycle on your back and it's like ah oh, you know and then it's leg day. <laughs> yeah, it's leg day. Do, doing my squats, man. Yeah. 
but it is but they are i suppose the absurdity is kind of what makes them great and i still love that gyrocopter and and i still love that scuba pack in fact those are two things i'd love to have back in my collection you know what it just occurred to me i think the gyrocopter is the only motorized vehicle pack from 87 or 88 to feature in a gi joe comic book huh oh yeah the issue where cobra troops invade the um the the, the laser installation that joe's protecting oh yes yeah. and they, they're dressed as iron grenadiers yes <laughs> but the, the, then they peel off their ig uniforms and they've actually got their entire cobra ensemble underneath Oh, yeah. okay. Isn't but there like a Techno Viper or something in there as well? Toxo Viper, Fireflies in there, I think. Is Scrap Iron in there? No, maybe not. But yeah, everyone peels off their IG uniforms eventually in there. They're wearing their Cobra stuff. Uh, nice. It's a cool issue. There's, they're great touches in that issue throughout. The fact that um, when they are in their IG uniforms, they're using Cobra equipment. So you can clearly see, ah, that is a Toxo Viper's gear. That is, that is Firefly's gear. Like it's, ah, man, they knew what they were doing. They were peddling toys, but they were, were being smart about integrating practical toy play into a compelling, cool action story. Mm. Damn it, man. I miss, I miss the days when the G.I. Joe comic book directly supported a toy line. That might sound like a morally bankrupt or, or creatively bankrupt thing to say, but something about just getting direction and uh, urgency from a product really just, I don't know. I feel like that was the magic component to, to just set Larry's incredible depth of creativity off on, on an adventure. Like he needs, he needs just, just a little something, just a little kick. Mm. <laughs> now, unfortunately, all he gets it from is the scant uh, letters pages that uh, G.I. Joe comics uh, anyway, I'm getting off topic. It's going to be a, a topic for a future podcast. The fact that I am finally, as of this day, like up to date with the G.I. Joe comic book series for the first time in my life. I never made it a priority to read on into IDW. And I only finished reading the Marvel run long after its publication. I mean, like mm. only many years after the trade paperbacks did I finally have a complete set. Uh, so yeah, I've always kind of been on the back foot as far as like have like filling holes in my GI Joe knowledge. But yes, we can have that conversation at a later stage because right now, Paul Lobsher, yes. I want to get, I want to get to the bottom of your love of the Cobra Pogo, <laughs> because last week it topped out on your favorite two flag point vehicle list. Mm. Yeah. Why? Yeah. The microphone it's, is yours. It is okay. So it's like lauded as like one of the most impractical vehicles ever, and I kind of oh, like we're going to get into it. Uh, but I like the challenge of that. I like the challenge of the fact that because you know, that's okay. So let me start at the top. Firstly, I've always liked how the stupid thing looked. Um, I think it's just it's always captured my imagination. Um, even though it's kind of a dippy thing, it's always uh. And also the the color scheme used in the original, uh, the the sort of dark grays and red, the 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 Astro Viper colors have also always just spoken to me with this vehicle. It just looks like something that's so retro sci-fi, kind of you know alien spacecraft kind of vibe that's going on for uh, on with it. 
And um, but do yeah. you play with it as such? I, you know, I actually like the idea of it being a big, stupid, bouncy dustbin, <laughs> but it does make a lot more sense if it's like in space, you know, because of its design and all that. I mean, it it does work as like a good breaching craft. I mean, if if GI Joe was like totally a space thing or went into space and Cobra launched out these little pods, these are you know great like you know it's kind of basic starfighters that could then like sort of attach themselves to an enemy starship or whatever and then you know they could jump out and you know breach the hole and all kinds of cool things you know uh if it, i was to force you to make a decision though to either well to either to either play it like a cobra invader which is yeah. absolutely like hand in glove perfect fit yes or to dial back and be a purist and <laughs> as the box blurb <laughs> Would have you believe Cobra is hopping mad and he's coming after Joe in his one man ballistic battle ball. No battlefield obstacle can get in its way. And as that blurb would have you believe, this thing is literally bouncing up and down on the battlefield. Which one do you choose? Yeah, that's okay. So if you if you're gonna go by um yeah. Oh, dude. Okay. I don't want an explanation, Paul. I want to. I want an answer. Which one do you choose? No, no. You're putting a gun to my head here. Um, I am putting a gun to your head. Be decisive. Come on. This is not going. Yeah. Like. Ooh. I I, I want to. I think I, I broke him, ladies and gentlemen. I want to stand up for this boy, and I want to make it like really, really, really worthwhile. So I've got to say that the space angle is the best angle. And that's probably the way I'm going to have to play it. And I did sort of mention it earlier. There's an Astro Viper color scheme or color aesthetic here. So I wonder if this wasn't originally designed to be some kind of G.I. Joe space thing that they just, they, and then they changed that idea and then re and then brought that idea back to the surface when they made it the invader or whatever it was. But yeah, I think this thing is hands down to make this puppy shine. It's the best space vehicle. Oh, well, it's not the best. It's one of the, the coolest ideas for a space vehicle. Um, although I can't resist the comedic appeal of making it a land-based vehicle and then killing people with it. It's just, I mean, if you get killed by a pogo, that's like the most embarrassing thing ever. Because you should see it coming, hopefully. Um yeah, and I mean the gun swivels down and for landing, and uh, and it was such a great uh, vehicle. Oh, that's another thing. The GI Joe video game also kind of really sowed some seeds in my head. It's actually the GI Joe video game's fault that I like both this thing and the Buzzball. To be fair, I think yeah. I'm in the same camp as you, my friend. Mm. They they are easy skips until you play the video game, and then they're essential must-have items. It's like I need. Firstly, the, the Cobra Battlecopter, the Buzzbore, and then the Pogo. Like, simple as that. And the Pogo yeah. is pretty indomitable. It has an extremely high jump, as it should have. And it yeah. shoots in all directions and through surfaces. It goes yes. through walls and the ceiling. It's, yeah. It's yeah. great. Because, you know, clearly they looked at the toy and they were like, oh, the gun pivots up and down. It must shoot in 360 degrees. So... <laughs> <laughs> Look, okay, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the practicalities of this thing as intended. Like, so, like yeah. in, in aviation, critical phases of flight are takeoffs and landings. 
Yeah, in a pogo, you are being forced to basically have a procession of takeoffs and landings constantly over and over and over again. I mean, that makes it a hazard and there's a failure rate that you are, you're basically playing the odds against. Uh -huh. um, something's going to give and it's going to be your ass. You're going to be <laughs> scattered, scattered along a, a, a cliff face or, or just botch the landing. I mean, is it using its legs to propel itself upwards and the reaction control thruster to slow its so descent? Is that, I think is that your that, understanding? That makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Okay. How high, like if you were to indicate on your body, how high is this thing's arc? Is it going to bounce as high as your head? Bounce as high as your outstretched hand above your head? Is it a lower bounce? You know, is it basically just up to your waist or even lower than that? Like when you're playing with this thing, how high is it bouncing? Typically. Oh, wow. Okay, I would say like, uh, for me, that makes what makes the most sense is probably about from the ground to my chest. You know, that's how high it could jump. Yeah, that's ergonomic. That's comfortable and you're able to kind of control it. Of course, you have to be pretty nimble playing with this, uh, with a pogo because you're yeah, kind of squat. getting down, <laughs> getting up. Oh, it's going to be hell on the knees, my friend. Hey, Which yeah, well. just, just leads me to believe it's going to be hell on all the mechanisms that make this thing work. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Cobra yeah, Tech you, is resilient, man. It's super resilient. But then, you know, um, and uh, Robert Kulupitan, uh, I hope you're listening because you got me back into playing that damn Gundam game. Um, I just re-downloaded it and I've sort of just been smattering in there for like 10 minutes or so. And I will link up with you so we can play a bit of multiplayer. But what I realized when I was playing that game is when I'm using like a Gundam mix, specifically a mobile suit from the Gundam universe and combat happens, there's a lot of jump strafing. So what that means is, you know, you're strafing the enemy, you're going around them, but you know, you don't just want to walk, you, you're jumping. So you, you're changing your profile. You're going ground, air, ground, air, ground, air. And that makes you, you know, harder to hit in the combat situation. It also makes it a little bit difficult for you to maintain your aim, but if it's a technique that you get done, it's actually very, very useful. Um, also, I just love being in a big giant mech and, and you know, shooting off my boosters and, you know, jump strafing. Um, Paul, but that is profound. Can I just say that now that my mind's eye has gone to that kind of gameplay, you have just saved the pogo. Ladies and gentlemen, he's done it. He's done it. <laughs> <laughs> that is how the pogo operates. That is what makes it tick. These things are adding to their maneuverability the ability to change their aspect. They are ascending and descending. They're constantly moving along every plane, mm. not just horizontal or vertical. They are moving diagonally up, down, left, right, back, front, Incredible, dude. You've done it. Yay. Wow. And I can even go as far as to say that it's, it is a fairly armored thing as well. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it, it's armored. No, no, it is not. <laughs> you've just broke your credibility. Everything that you've just earned. No, no, these things are one shot, one kill. And, and more, moreover than that, I would say that you don't want to deploy too many of them into one operation zone because once they start hopping around like the chance of midair collisions multiplies exponentially 
Oh yeah, definitely. Like these these things do not move in squadrons <laughs> or uh, in plagues, like a plague of locusts. Um, fleas. Because yeah, dude. Well, they, yeah, exactly. They're fleas, but yeah. uh, they're giant mechanical fleas, which when they collide, you know, it's, it's just going to be parts strewn everywhere. Yeah, I imagine they're deployed very sparingly. Um, who is your go-to pogo pilot? Okay, so I love uh, for the for the pogo. When I first got it, the first guy I actually popped in there was Firefly. Believe mm -hmm. it or not, um, just felt like it was kind of a good go-to for him. Uh, kind of the wrong era, but if you are if yeah. you're flexible, it works. Yeah, but oh, then again, you know, Firefly, I mean, he's kind of, uh, I don't want to say an immortal character, but he's a character that sort of survives through all of the lines anyway. Um, and I suppose another good person for this would actually be Scrap Iron, though I've, and actually now that I think about it, Scrap Iron's not a bad idea because now I know what to do with that toy. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's actually, he's not a bad pilot for it. Um, I've currently, as we're talking here. going to be a battle. tight fit with that giant head of his. I, that said, I have got um, Battle Armor Cobra Commander sitting quite comfortably in mine now as of this recording uh, because, you know, I just thought it'd be cool to have have it as the box art implies. Um, and let's face it, you're going to need powered armor to survive the punishment <laughs> that this yeah. thing is going to dole out on your body. Um, and that's, that's if you have a flawless mission. Like if yeah. you... <laughs> If you do get shot up a bit um, and have to make a particularly hard landing, like you're going to shatter every bone in your body otherwise. So True, yes, Battle Armor CC is probably the, the best fit. Also, something worth mentioning, and it might seem really simple when I mention this, but these things don't necessarily always have to be jumping high. They could be making, you know, like as you mentioned earlier, you know, like they can go in any direction or whatever, but they could also just be making small little hops, you know, that kind of makes them foster in a weird way. Like, can they walk like the G.I. Joe video game would have you believe? They kind of arch up and then release, arch up and release, kind of like centipeding their way across the ground. I think this, uh, I, I think there is good grounds for a sort of insectoid style movement for them, you know, like a, a very uh, War of the Worlds kind of uh, three legged, uh, what do they call them in War of the Worlds? I think they call them striders, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, um, there is like, I suppose there is precedent for tripods. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is precedent for them to walk, um, but awkwardly. I, just, I mean, awkward. I'm trying to imagine it. It's it doesn't look pretty. But I mean, if I come back to the flea analogy, um, or the flea comparison, should I say, the you know fleas they don't really walk once they've landed on something. Then they sort of use their little legs to like crawl and you know get to an opportune spot. But they generally just launch themselves all the time. They're always bouncing, 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 bouncing. Very horrible. I've we've had to deal with a flea problem here in my neighborhood once. Um, and yeah, the, if this thing just moves like a flea does, it's actually uh, on the battleground. Doesn't have to even jump that high. Just it's always moving, 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 moving. That's like that's intimidating enough, and that makes sense. For its movement to me it's just always like springing so maybe it's like preloading one leg one leg is always like dormant while two of them shoot uh, shoot it off or i don't know like i just don't imagine it really walking um but then again there must be some kind of there must be some kind of walking mechanism for you to park these things you know like i mean in the warehouse <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. how, 
Yeah, oh, the hangar, not the warehouse, the hangar. Got to get a crane every time you want to move them around. No, thanks. Yeah. Mine, which I recently got, as recently as last week, hence the topic, <laughs> um, had its stickers, its cockpit stickers on the wrong way. Uh, oh. I assume the Cobra, Cobra symbol is supposed to be towards the back and obviously the targeting reticle to the front. Correct, but I was able, yes. to, I was able to, to, to detach the glass and uh, swap that around. I did notice, however, the 3D Joe's has the the uh, the unit marking or the, I don't know, yeah, ZOX699 ZOX yeah. stuck to the glass. I'm like, oh, no. Carson, Carson, Why? Carson, Carson. Hey, man, you go, you go to war with the toys you have. Like, if that's all you had available the day he was shooting the 3D spin, that's all you had, man. No, I you're feel not you. I'm not going to put the brakes on while you source a... A better stickered pogo. I mean, it's an immaculate specimen, but I would say that the the stickers are in the wrong place. Yeah, that that can. I, I think for something like the pogo, that can that can hurt it a little bit. You know. I mean, it's ambiguous in the placement uh, indications, but yeah, I would definitely want the 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 markings to be on the red and not on the gloss. Well, thankfully, mine was my my pogo comes to me courtesy of Jim Godfrey. Um, oh yeah, and this was his childhood pogo, as far as I know. Mm. And he still—I've actually still got the box as well from him. And he stickered this bad boy up. And you know, it, yeah, well, if, you, if, 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 if anybody's actually seen any of Jim's customs or you know any kind of paintwork or anything that he's done on toys and figures, you know that this is a meticulous man um, who probably you know took some serious priority in the sticker placement here. So. Yeah. So expertly done, in other words. Expertly done, yeah. The only thing mine's just missing, uh, I'm missing a missile. Yes, yeah, say that five times faster. So. Wait a minute, it only comes with two. Does it? Because there's a peg yes. for a third drives me. I on. know, dude. You could source a third one, I'm sure. But in this world, there is a shortage of pogo missiles. And the reason being, it has three places to store them, but only two included. <gasps> True story. One. <laughs> I mean, what what's up with that? And it's got a lot of sellers confused as well. They're like mm. 99% complete pogo. And I'm like, no, it's a hundred percent complete. You just didn't realize. <laughs> so yeah, let me blow your mind, ladies and gentlemen. But as the topic might have suggested, or maybe it's found its way into just the intro blurb that I gave at the top of the podcast, Paul. Do you like the Triple T from 1986? Aesthetically, yes. I think it looks. Whoa. I think it looks cool. I don't hate it. I don't hate Damn it. it. I think. I wanted this to be a one-shot kill. Like, do you like it? No. Okay, moving on. But yes, Paul, tell <laughs> no, me think, why you like it. I just think it looks super cute. It's such a cool little vehicle, actually. And um, I, I we saw one. Oh, I saw one for the first time at Greg Crockett's place. Um, and uh no i it is a combination of greg crockett's place and kokomo toys and uh i actually was like surprised at how cool it actually is when you look at it but it it is a shooting gallery and that is kind of like that makes it difficult for me to want to like use it functionally you know as as a toy you know like well as a vehicle in the story but it does also look like it's the front of something bigger I don't know if you feel that. Like it feels like it it just feels like the nose part of like a bigger vehicle. Like maybe there was supposed to be like some kind of cool trailer that connects to it or 
like maybe it was like a two-piece kind of like a, a weird havoc type thing and then they ultimately decided just to use the front part to make the vehicle because the back doesn't look as good as the front does if you know what i mean like a lot of good gi joe vehicles the back in some ways is just as cool looking as the front and mm. it's I, somewhat cheapified yeah it is super cheapy <laughs> that's why i think it's like it. <laughs> So, you know, it's a, it's a box. It has a very boxy uh, profile and it fits that kind of geometric shape of like actually a perfect square uh, because it's, it's very stunted and very tall. Uh, so tall, in fact, that it pushes the figure to the very top of it. So like you don't want to roll this thing because you got no roll bar over you. Like effectively yeah. the tallest point on the vehicle is the action head. figure's head. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so watch yourself uh, on... I mean, it, it is pretty stable. Yeah. It won't necessarily have a risk of rolling or, or for, you know, going um, nose over tail or tail over nose. Um, but if you were to go up a serious incline and fall backwards, yeah, you're going to lose your head. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It does seem like it, it, it got shrunk down and chopped. Yeah. Because the cockpit almost seems like if the vehicle was bigger, you'd be able to have an enclosed mm -hmm. um, shell, like, a, like an aircraft cockpit over the driver's position. And it would fit the, the lines perfectly. But it's because it's shrunken down... And the action figure therefore looks like a giant in it. You can't complete the line. You can't have a canopy. Mm. And you can't even like uh, looking at it. Doesn't even look like you could mod it to do that either. Like it doesn't look like you could really sink that seat in. Or, oh, I mean, I never. I don't want to say never. Say never. I'm sure there are people that have maybe been successful with it. But look, yeah. I enjoy the fact that it has a very high ground clearance. That's mm -hmm. cool. You know, in a world of tanks that have essentially a block between their treads, I'm looking at you, Hiss, uh, it's nice to have a tank that has tank treads and then a nice big space beneath it, you know, beneath I, the body I, of the vehicle. And that's the other thing. Like, that's the other uh, thing that points to me feeling that it should have been bigger. It's got, it's got tank treads. Like, I understand tank treads are cool and all that, but it could have also been like a six-wheeled vehicle instead of tank treads. Fair enough. Like, yeah, tank treads are fiddly, but let me tell you, like this little pocket rocket can go anywhere, thanks I to was... its its tread. But uh, <laughs> the unfortunate drawback to it having its great ground clearance, it is super hollow on the underside. It is uh... Fred Fred Flintstone mobile hollow. You got oh, dangling no. feet. But shout outs to a fellow YouTuber and Facebook uh, group owner. Good old Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse. He pointed out, it's like a jet became a tank. Yeah, it's a, it looks like a starship. Yeah. It has a uh, lot of those attributes. And the fact that it mounts missiles on its wings, essentially, mm -hmm. um, just further add to the credence that this is all sorts of design soup. So, yeah, because uh, when I looked at it, it kind of reminds me a bit of a colonial viper from Battlestar Galactica. Very good. Yeah. 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 Just needs but, uh, a, a, its nose to kind of stick out a little further. Now, I would say that this design, like the way it is. Geez, was, boy, you're onto something. It's got that kind of like triangular mm. fuselage. 
Ha. Hey. <laughs> I, I would say if if this vehicle... Uh, okay. The design of this vehicle would make a lot more sense if they designed this for G.I. Joe the movie. But they didn't. At least as far as I'm concerned. Uh, this seems like it came long before G.I. Joe the movie and they... They took this and put it into the movie because in G.I. Joe, the movie, it actually makes a lot of sense for being the kind of design it is. If you consider what Slaughter's um, uh, HQ looks like, you know, which is, uh, you know, as you know, it's it's cobbled together with airplane parts and, and all kinds of stuff. It's like a real junk mountain. Uh, it's actually very cool. But then this vehicle makes a lot of sense in like in that milieu. You know, he's like, yeah, put some tank treads on because, you know, how are we going to get replacement tires out here? It's easier to maybe repair treads. I don't know, but maybe that's, you know, all of those things kind of make sense. But yeah, the fact that it wasn't designed, I think, for the movie, and I and I'm fairly confident on this. Um, it's it definitely adds to the mystery of this. Like, what was it meant to be? You know, is it okay? We we, we can only conject as to what it was meant to be, but. In its final presentation, do you believe it to be just the Sarge's chariot? Or do you believe that there are triple T's lying around a motor pool for use with any other G.I. Joe personnel who need like a an all-terrain vehicle? No, I, I, I want to think, oh, I'm going to say that I think this is very much, um, no, actually, no, Ooh. let me take that back. He's flip-flopping, I, ladies and gentlemen. He can't think, decide what's it going to be. The more I look at it, the more I think that maybe it was like a prototyped vehicle that maybe G.I. Joe was going to use around the base for base defense. Um, and it would probably be used by like steel brigaders or something. I mean, in this current incarnation, let's, let's take away all the other sort of speculation about its design. Um, then, then that kind of makes sense to, for it to be this quick little reaction vehicle as a, as a security vehicle on a G.I. Joe base. But then uh, maybe the idea was scrapped and the only prototype, you know, that was sitting around, it just, it just made sense. And like Slaughter was like, uh, I need a vehicle. And they're like, oh, well, we got one of these sitting around and it's kind of low maintenance because this is its purpose. And, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't think, I think maybe it was designed to be like mass produced, but then it ended up just not surviving, you know, the 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 gi joe funding committee and then went straight to to slaughter with all the mm. other um gi joe rejects that need to be repurposed and fixed <laughs> like the renegades <laughs> like the renegades man because part of me was like mm, you know i know the sarge drives off on a triple t and the renegades are on with their own motorcycles yeah in the movie well you know wouldn't it be cooler if like each of them had access to their own like customized triple T because mm. like the, the standard cool. gray one says Sergeant Slaughter on the side and it's very like USA American flag star bam 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 United States yeah. but like Mercer's got a different bent to his with like a couple of like crossed out Cobra symbols and Taurus yeah. I don't know Taurus is filled with like mystic stuff because I don't know isn't he a he's a traveling acrobat with a circus or gypsy something like that yeah um, so he's got all these like little curios and tusks and bones and things actually that and, would be so cool <laughs> and, and of course red red dog's totally mr teed his up and it's covered in bling 
<laughs> and it's got like like a serious like bull bar or ram rod or whatever it is in the front like totally, totally. And they're, they're, they're perfect for that kind of environment this is for crossing the deserts and, and going on maneuvers and training missions with the renegades and it's a cool little utility vehicle if you demand realism from your vehicles like this is a tug it's a little tugboat you should mm. hitch a, a flatbed trailer to it and it can haul tons of wreckage to the slaughterhouse to be repurposed as living quarters right and also you could use it to to pull all of the um the uh towable vehicle weapon systems like the um or the flak i think has got a tow bar and what is the other one the, the <laughs> you have to go with the flak first no the flak is not towable but yes the whirlwind the hell um the thank you sorry what's it called no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm a stickler. I'm an evil, evil friend who likes to correct his friends. No, man. Terrible. I'd rather know than... You'd no. rather it be me than a YouTube comment. There we go, right? Speaking of, shall we move to our letters section before we close out the show? Letters page! <laughs> By the way, I want to see people customize. I want, I want to see a, a, a Red Dog and Taurus Triple T now. So uh, to our customizers out there, make it happen. Sorry, sorry Mercer, you don't make the cut. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Mercer. I, I mean, I love you, dude, but yeah, I don't know. I don't I can't. Actually, maybe that's the challenge. I can't see it. Um, Mercer's would be the easiest because you just kibble together a whole bunch of like reject off-cut Cobra vehicle parts. Like you take the, the bloody cow catcher from a hydro sled and make that the bull bar, you know, complete with the harpoon. Uh, you know, you just take Cobra toys basically and attach it to the triple T. Whereas with Red Dog and Taurus, you've actually got to scratch build some things. Yeah, and, and maybe buy some like prehistoric sets from the toy shop or, you know, dinosaur hunter sets and cut up some of that stuff and slap it mm. on there. Oh, well. You could use real bling. You could use real like gold chain for, for Red Dogs. I've got a I've got a funny feeling if I say this and Bart is listening. Um, if it's I happen. if somebody makes the the Sergeant Slaughter triple T as in tits tits tits. <laughs> oh yeah. Bart's like I'm gonna make that one. <laughs> Look, someone someone out there has got to, and it's probably gonna be Taurus's one. Hang the giant like bollocks off the tow bar. Yes, you've seen those, right? Like Dude, giant like, testicles, like giant bull balls. We live in South Africa. Well, okay, I live in. We live in South Africa. We've seen them all over the oh, place. Oh, I live in Australia, mate. Believe yeah, me. That, yeah, that shit rules the day here as well. Yeah, dude, it's. I, I don't know if you see it, if you saw that kind of stuff in Cape Town, but yeah, it's all over Joburg and Pretoria. Uh, all these. Yeah, like, yeah. But all the, we were, I, like, we were switching to the bloody letters page. I think we've swollen the resale price on triple t's enough Expect the price spike as everyone goes out to make their customs but um on our classified snake eyes unboxing and review brandon keesler says that fortunately with my three and three quarter inch line complete i'm now fully invested in the classified line i've given up everything else and i'm here for the long haul i just hope hasbro is too bloody hell that was a great review thanks buddy it's people like you and the quality of your content that keeps our spirits high through the low times. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Brandon. Got anything right. to say about that, Paul? No, dude. You do you. Rock and roll, man. Um, mm. And congratulations on having a full vintage collection. Um, 
not that that should be you know a barrier to entry to buying classifieds but hey if you've got all of the vintage stuff go for it dude that's awesome um if you're willing to bring a classified collection into your life then so be it <laughs> and this this le this letter seems directed at you paul in the talk about uh, whether or not you ha should have a shared space oh i saw that, this uh, your toys occupy it's called ha hans chow I believe that a person must have a space of their own. Now, it doesn't need to be an exclusive area that bars all others from entering, but it needs to be a space that may be used by individuals in the family unit to be alone, gather their thoughts, and enjoy the luxury of solitude. Life is hectic. Your job slash schoolwork can overwhelm you. Your children slash parents can challenge you in ways that you aren't totally prepared for. Your spouse slash, slash siblings can approach you with something that you aren't equipped to deal with at the moment. The ability to retreat and be introspective is of paramount importance to a healthy home life. Long story short, gentlemen, don't feel bad if you need a small area to yourself and your hobbies. It is your home and you must feel comfortable there. That being said, bless your wife, Mr. Paul. There is a lot to be said about a woman that will allow her husband to proudly display his vintage toy collection in their home for all to see. The height of comfort and acceptance. Bless her, good sir. Anyways, wonderful video, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to hear from you. I look forward to every video you put up. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Hans. Thanks, man. Um, you know, I did see this in the comments, and I, I had a feeling that we would uh, do a letters page on a podcast. So I, I figured I'll just um, sort of collect my thoughts on it. And I am worried that maybe I sounded a little bit um, <laughs> militant about not having a man cave. I think I was just trying to say that, um, uh, and, it, and he touched on it really well, uh, and that it's just good to have a space where your hobby is accepted. And if that means that you have to have a man cave for your hobby to be accepted and not be sort of sequestered, like your man cave should be a space that is accepted by your significant other or by the people that you live with as maybe not necessarily a no-go zone unless you want it to be that, but it should not, you, you shouldn't be forced into that kind of arrangement. That arrangement should be I feel, I think it's healthier if that arrangement is, is sort of accepted. And it's something that I've, I was looking up man caves, uh, and we were talking, you know, about this and I took some time to look up man caves and, you know, guys have some amazing man caves that they've set up in their basements or attics and things like that. Um, not necessarily for toy collections, sometimes just as a place to blow off steam and whatever. And, um, and yes, I think it's a very, I think it can be a very, very healthy thing um to have your own space uh, i not i can't i definitely insist that everybody has their own space and is able to get away from from the people around you to get that space in but i don't i, I Look, it's I, not always realistic though paul i mean we live in a world where some people have acres some people have a two-bedroom apartment you know exactly. it's, it's you might not have the luxury of a separate room Mm -hmm. In which case you have a, a, a toy shrine, as I've gotten by with uh, in the past. And that's that's the thing, right? Because compromise is always easier with somebody who understands and respects your hobby. Compromise is much harder when you are with somebody or in an, in an environment where people don't. And from a retail perspective, from having worked uh, all the years in retail, I have seen the customers that have come in that have bought large amounts of toys only to um, have us lie to his wife that he hasn't bought any toys or anything new. I've had that situation. I've seen um, situations where one of my coworkers there, um, his then fiance, his now wife, 
uh, dictated everything that he was allowed to buy. Um, you see, those kind of things, I find that so unhealthy. And she herself is into the hobby. She's into anime, she's into gaming, she's into toys and stuff like that. But she dictated what was um, allowed and not allowed. And so there's no compromise there and no healthy compromise. So I think that's the word I'm trying to get at. As long as there's a healthy compromise, um, then, you know, you do you. You know, some of us... Look, I would argue that every case is different. And if if you have a, a partner who is accepting of your hobby, great. If you have a partner who's putting the brakes on your hobby, that is your set of circumstances. And I'm sure you're dealing with it in the the best fit that you can. Whether exactly. it's, you know, little white lie every now and then or just just issuing the truth, you know, not, yeah. not, not bringing it up. It's like... I, I make my own money, hopefully. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's my business as to what I spend it on. As long as the bills are met, there you go. they're happy days. Uh, you know, this is, this is and, my happy space. And I'm sure the relationship is benefited by you being a happy partner. Yes. That, and so I, it, indirectly, even a spouse who is putting the brakes on your hobby, perhaps, and is feeling like this is an unnecessary expense, is getting the benefit of your elevated endorphins about yes. the fact that you just got new mail you yeah. just got something a package delivered to you or something you picked up from the post office like that is so essential to a relationship you and need also, something like that and it also completes you as a person i mean if you if you're the kind of person that likes that stuff and you and you're refused from being allowed to get that kind of stuff then you are essentially incomplete which makes you you know which is difficult you know when you're an incomplete person when you're a person who has desires or needs and you're not meeting those needs then it you're could not take a toll on the relationship itself yeah. yeah yeah anyways paul we are so bad at this <laughs> <laughs> we are creating topics of uh, podcast discussion out of out of letters but very good letters thank you for writing in anyone who did um you can obviously drop a comment in the YouTube section. They might be read out in future podcasts. Alternatively, you could actually send us a, an email. The address is a real South African hero at gmail.com. Um, let me do two more letters, shall we? Yes, let's do two more letters. I'd love to hear more letters. I'm glad. Logan Taylor, buddy. He says that as a fellow collector, I think it's disrespectful to cast G.I. Joe into a game for six-year-olds. And this was in reference to Snake Eyes being a Fortnite character. Hmm. What do you have to say to that, Paulie? Uh, I, I'm kind of like... Uh, I'm thinking of the most diplomatic way to say this, but um, I got into G.I. Joe when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very thankful that there were G.I. Joe video games when I was a kid. And yeah like i think that's the best way to answer like i don't think that gi joe is necessarily an adult property uh it's yeah it's, i mean if if you want to see disrespect to perhaps the legacy of gi joe you know it's when a cartoon like sigma 6 would do silly things I like right like kiddie things yeah i think even kids know when they're being talked down to like, G.I. Joe is a property that can always have a level of seriousness and adultness throughout. Yes. Like, and kids will respond to that. I think that is, that is when the, the puppet masters of the G.I. Joe brand start being disrespectful. I think Fortnite, 
it can go either way. I mean, it's still it's still a, a game that deals with death. You know, it doesn't yeah. shy away from your character being killed and respawning. Um, which for most of us who are noobs, uh, that's exactly what you wind up doing. <laughs> sitting, sitting for 10 minutes in a loading screen and then dying two seconds yeah. later. I've been in a good headshot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Oh, man. I've been left behind, bro. Multiplayer gaming is not for me. Oh, it's uh, not for me either. It's uh, power uh, to anyone who's actually having success with the Snake Eyes skin. I think the only multiplayer games that I've like successfully played in my life um, consistently was Metal Gear. I used to play the Metal Gear online thing quite a bit. And I also did quite, I've done quite a lot of that, um, the Ace Combat game online multiplayer and the, the Gundam game. Those are essentially the only multiplayer games. Oh, actually, and the Battlefield. There was a bit of a stint with Battlefield as well at one point. Mm. But I, in, uh, my games are my man cave. That's how I escape. I like to have my solitary experience. You know? Paul, you have not one man cave, but two. You're in a very privileged position, my man. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Taylor, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I agree that it's necessarily a disrespect <laughs> to collectors or the brand to have Snake Eyes in Fortnite. I think getting more eyes on G.I. Joe could never hurt. And as Paul said in the podcast last week, it's not a case of trying to get kids to buy G.I. Joe toys. It's a case of getting G.I. Joe collectors to get with the program, man, play some Fortnite. Hey. And Fortnite <laughs> is only... Join the masses. And Fortnite's better for having Snake Eyes in it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It, it was meaning to happen for so long. Mm. And they finally, finally got it right. So, yeah, I'm also going to regard that as a win. Finally, Chandrap Gaming asks about the USS flag. Can <laughs> this be a disc? <laughs> <laughs> I would urge you not to place anything too heavy on this desk, mm. like a desktop computer or your feet. But I suppose if you really insist, you, know, you could uh, you could put your coffee mug on a on a flag. I think I, th I think that's a question of uh, how how do you want to do it. I mean, if you just wanted to use the toy as a desk, uh, no, uh, and and I wouldn't even put a cup of coffee on there just purely because of the heat that a cup of coffee would generate, and you'd start getting weird warping and stuff eventually. I'm sh I'm pretty sure. Jeez, um, poor you Philistine. Don't you put a coaster under your cups? I do. I do. But <laughs> I'm just saying, just Look, in I general. think the flag's dimensions are prohibitive of it actually being a functional piece of furniture. Mm. It's long. It's squat. Even if you have raised it, it's squat. It doesn't move unless you put the wheels underneath. Um, and it, you'd have to have a very interesting like living room arrangement for that to be a functional piece of table. Mm. You're going to be trying to look at the TV past the tower. Like it's, it's long, it's wide. It juts out in places. It's got fragile, breakable things. Like I freak out at the idea of like small children running past the flag and bumping it ever so slightly, but that slight bump to move the trusses enough to snap all the, um, you know, the hooks. <laughs> no bueno, man. No bueno. <laughs> so yes, I would I would I would advise against it being a table or a bed. No. And then 
I, I've got a, I've got a question. I've got a letters page, not for GI Joe Berg per se, but for our listeners. Um, I've found myself in an interesting situation with a, with a playset, and I'm curious. Obviously, I want to hear your thoughts as well, Steve. Um, mm. But I have got the um, the GI Joe HQ, and I'm loving it. And I have it displayed. I had it displayed with the front of the HQ facing me which is cool it does look great and it's and, and it looks good on your shelf but the problem i was having is that i wasn't really able to enjoy playing with toys in there you know and and so i've since moved it around um to another spot in my room and i've turned it around so i've got the front of it facing the wall and now i have full access to the playset from the back and i just kind of do this thing where i walk in my my box of joes is kind of underneath it and i'll grab two or three gi joes and two or three cobras and I just pop them in there. And uh, I just ha kind of have fun and just kind of cycle that around every time I walk past it. It's kind of weird, especially when I've had, like, had to deal with like an annoying email or something. I'll just walk there and be like, okay, set up Cobra Commander, think about my response, you know, Duke is on the chair, that kind of thing, and walk away. So I'm curious, how do you guys uh, display your, your HQ? And which do you think is the best way to do it? How high up is your HQ being displayed? It's about uh, it's about chest height, chest level. So I'm I would say that that is not ideal. I think at waist height, you're peering down at everything. You can have yeah. it facing outwards. I, I would say ideally waist height and facing inwards towards the room uh, because you want to be able to shoot into yeah. the room. You want to shoot at approaching Fang helicopters on a, a strafing run. Yeah. And his tanks at ground level so waist height is is optimal because then you can kind of peer over and everything is accessible and it being a well okay it's it's kind of flat in the sec the central section and then you have a little bit of clearance in the vehicle bays so hmm. those are accessible from the back but there's nothing going on at the the weapons storage bin so that could be pushed right up against um the wall so to speak yeah yeah because you know you don't there's no there's no molding back there there's no reason for any action figure to necessarily be back there they can just as easily walk over the top of the weapons the storage bins so you're not losing any play real estate by having it pushed up against there yeah okay. that's me okay that's cool and i'm curious to hear the comments from our viewers and then just uh, a question point one to add to this question is what are your favorite vehicles to put into your G.I. Joe HQ? I've currently got my Foe Striker and my Vamp, the the gray Vamp that was a re-release for Pursuit of Cobra. I mean, not Pursuit of Cobra, 50th anniversary, um, which is basically a Vamp Mark II. It's actually more a Stinger than a Vamp, really, if we have to like get to the brass tacks. But that's currently what I've got in there. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from, from our listeners and you know, every, well, anybody who's listening to this, I'd love to hear what are your favorite vehicles to put in there. Now, I know they are prescribed <laughs> to put in there. But Paulie, no it's going gonna, it's gonna to flick your OCD bean when you put a vehicle or piece of equipment from Series 1 or 2 in the HQ. Uh. It's just so great. Such <laughs> a lovely, very thoughtful feature. I mean, they could just mold it blank to accommodate a maximum number of vehicles and equipment. 
but the fact that it's got divots and posts and intended sculpted recesses for the hell for the flak for the mms for the battle bear for the vamp for the mobats amazing wow. you can just cycle through all the season one and two series one and two vehicles and equipment and just like just just it's great the vamp <laughs> the vamp goes in those divots um does the foe striker's wheels also match up the um the hydraulic ramp they do they do divots. actually yeah okay, good yeah it's very well that's that's a happy accident but uh no bro vamp mobats polar battle beer i think the wolverine also uh, is a very appropriate fit um the fact that the the, the slots mm. the, the 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 mobats cannon lines up with the slots so perfectly yeah I can pop it out there yeah mm -hmm. that's really yeah. cool yeah do yourself a favor, bro. I imagine you're going to get a, an overwhelming amount of those responses, but I'm looking forward to the creative responses. So, yeah, dear listener, please let us know a more creative vehicle choice, like a pogo and a barracuda. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I'm going to say the most creative use of the uh, of my HQ thus far was when Bart Simon, who sent it to me, um, I mean, he 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 was my he was my mail forwarding service. <laughs> Thanks, Bart. Um, he uh, snuck in some Swedish fish <laughs> in the in the file card compartment. You know, that's it. Excellent. The, which I think was so great. <laughs> I'm glad you discovered it before they became Swedish sludge. I was just like, "What's this thing?" And I I, I was just glad that the actual what is this sticky residue inside <laughs> my my toy. <laughs> Oh man, I was just unbelievably pleased that that the the actual mail forwarding service I used, which is a company called My US, that actually you know does forward stuff from the states and does make things a bit easier, mm -hmm. uh, especially when you have to send like a biggish box, something that's got quite big dimensions, which the post offices are a bit scared to do. Well, they want to charge you out of your ass for it, but um, I'm surprised they didn't find it. You know. So mm. I, I'm really happy they didn't find it actually, because had they found it, they would have like just removed it. So. Well, I don't advocate doing this necessarily, but uh, I I might have or might not have um, smuggled medicinal marijuana from South Africa to the United Kingdom in regular mail. So, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. allegedly um yeah yeah you can't pin it to me no, no records uh but ladies and gentlemen with that bombshell we uh we're out i think um that's a wrap on one pogo and three triple t's three triple t's t t t three t's i don't know <laughs> it doesn't fit the rhyme as as sexily when i say it as yeah. it does on paper but anyways, this has been episode 185 of G.I. Joburg. Thanks for joining us on our plunge deep, deep into G.I. Joe. <laughs> I'm Steve. And I'm Paul. And boing. <laughs> <laughs> Play with your pogos, boys and girls. Yeah. yeah. Pogo like it's 1985. <laughs> oh, G.I. Joburg, everybody.